This is Straight Ahead with the 606 Club of London and David Lewis.
This week's Straight Ahead brought you along with the 606 Club of Chelsea. I'm David Lewis and I'm with you for the next two hours. So our opening track this week was from Christian McBride and his Grammy Award winning big band. They've just released an album which is a tribute to Jimmy Smith, Wes Montgomery and Oliver Nelson featuring special guests of Joey DeFrancesco and Mark Whitfield. You'll find the album on the Mac Avenue label and the track that we just listened to was Road Song. Our guest on the show this week is pianist, composer and band leader Sarah Tandy and we'll be hearing from Sarah in just a short while's time. Next to play though is from one of our guests on the show this year, vocalist Esther Bennett along with fellow vocalist Sarah Moore. They have an album out at the moment, the song of Duncan Mont and from that we're going to be listening to A Great Day in Harlem. A great day in Harlem A marvellous kind of day A great day in Harlem The cats came out to play With Dizzy and Basie The memory's here to stay A great day in Harlem A day that lasts a while Even the loneliest month And then Willie 
the lion, he came late. And young Marianne McPartland looking great. Horace Silver, Jerry Mulligan, Art Farmer came. A sight to see jazz royalty. Sarah Moore and a track from the Songs of Duncan and Mont album and they've been kind enough to send me through a full album so we'll be playing more tracks from that over the coming weeks. We've got ourselves a feature album this week as well. We're going to be playing a couple of tracks from a brand new album from uh, the vocalist Yasim Hanselier. The album's called Rush Hour and this first track that I've got lined up is called Mr Murphy and it's dedicated to the great jazz singer Mark Murphy. Such a fascinating spirit and piece of music he made of it Like no other singer could do It was heart-rending Once he sang the blues Once he started swinging It felt like watching Walking on a tightrope making moves Beat, scared, spoken word Or maybe just the words that you've never heard He would have sung something that would take you on a trip To a place outside 
Singing soft, singing hard, singing low, singing high Bopping and swinging and grooving on with style And he just made it all seem easy On the road for life, his name was Mr. Murphy from the Yazim Hansler album a little bit later on in the show. I mentioned the pianist Sarah Tandy is our guest on the show this week. Well, she featured on the latest album from Camilla George, the album called The People Could Fly. We had Camilla on the show, of course, earlier on in the summer. And as Sarah features on the album as a guest, I thought we would go back to Camilla's album and play a track, He Lion, Brew Bear, Brew Rabbit. 
Two of our guests from earlier on this summer are celebrating some great news. Callum Al, who, along with vocalist Claire Martin, released that beautiful album, Songs and Stories, have just been nominated and uh, submitted for a Grammy in the category Best Jazz Vocal Album. So I'm sure I speak for all of us and wishing them the very best indeed with that. And from that wonderful album, I thought it's fitting that we should listen to uh, the beautiful song, I Concentrate on You.
the skies look green to me And trouble begins to brew On you when fortune cries need me to me and people declare
to revisit that uh, album from Callum and all the very best in your Grammy nomination. It's time for Buddy's Bit now before we get into the first part of our interview with Sarah Tandy. And we're going back to the album that was released around about this time last year, actually. It was the uh, forgotten tracks, the missing tracks from the last live recording at Ronnie Scott's from Buddy along with the big band. And we're going to listen to Love for Sale. Thank you. 
Holly's bit this week was love for sale. So finally, it's time that we meet our guest for the week, Sarah Tandy. We're going to be listening to tracks during the course of the interview from her album Infection in the Sentence. And don't worry, we find out why the album was given that name during the course of uh, our chat. We sat down early this week. Lovely to catch up with Sarah. And we're going to start off the interview with one of those tracks, The Skin. If you want to know what's happening at The Six, check out the website at 606club.co.uk.
And once again, on Straight Ahead, it is time we uh, bring our guest on for the week. And I'm delighted to say we've got pianist, composer and band leader, Sarah Tandy. Sarah, hello. Hello. Thank you for making time to talk with us. Be really That's looking right. forward to this, really looking forward to Aww. this. So first of all, are you well and healthy? Um, I am, surprisingly. <laughs> I sound quite surprised. Basically, I, I've been sick for quite a long time and literally the past couple of weeks is the first time in about five months that I've actually felt healthy. So I'm really, really happy about this. <laughs> Fantastic. So you've, you've yeah. managed to avoid, avoid COVID and you're in good, um, good spirits. Well, I've come out the other side of COVID, yeah. Have you been, you've actually had... Yeah. Oh, really? How bad did yeah. it affect you? Not well, initially not too badly at all. Um, but then I had these like this weird post spiral. I'm so bored of it, I don't even want to talk about it to be honest. But um, <laughs> basically, I had it pretty mildly and then it just dragged on and on and on. So, um, well, I'm you're well now coming out the other side, yeah. So, Good. so as a, a youngster, as a child, I understand that classical music was abundant around your household. Were your parents just yeah. musical uh, lovers or were they musicians? Um, my mum is a piano teacher, so I guess that had a lot to do with it. Mm. Um, my dad isn't at all, but he's very enthusiastic about everything. <laughs> so as a youngster, you sitting there, feet swinging away on the piano stool and trying to mm. understand what was going on in front of you? Yeah, kind of a bit, actually. Although, obviously, like, as a little kid, you don't really understand jazz or I couldn't mm. really play it at all when I was really small. But um, I always really loved it like my mum had some good albums that sort of lived in the kitchen a lot which I used to really love jazz and albums then, or, yeah yeah, yeah I, so I was under the impression you were very much classical alone but there was jazz in the house as well well I think the thing is with my mum she she was 100% classically trained she's a she teaches classical piano but she always really loved jazz with a passion but I think when she, when she was kind of learning music quite a long time ago that there wasn't really any jazz education the way we know it now. And she didn't really, she didn't have any way into it. So I think it was always a bit of a mystery to her, but she always really loved it. So, mm. yeah, so there was a lot of jazz there as well. And what kind of, what kind of jazz was your mum into? What albums were <laughs> kicking around at home? El Ghana, Concert by the Sea, was it? Oh, you remember that well. Favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's so good. I still love it now. So that, and then she had a real thing for Dave Brubeck as well. She mm -hmm. really loved him. Um, Trying to think what else. There's some Count Basie albums. Oh, it's just Frank Sinatra. That's the one when she was obsessed. <laughs> we, we all had some Frankie yeah, in our yeah, background, yeah, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. You can't go wrong. <laughs> so presumably at some point, and I know London is a, is a hotbed for having some great youth bands mm. around, you must have begun to develop and look to play in other bands and obviously begin to express yourself in a jazz style. Um, yes and no. I mean, I think that... It, when I was young growing up, I think there were there were kind of things for kids in London for jazz, but I kind of never really knew about it. I think my, my parents didn't really know anything about that mm -hmm. world. It's like, oh my God, I wish I'd known about places like Tomorrow's Warriors or... I think I went to Nigel once and hated it so much I never <laughs> went back. <laughs> All these snotty boys and I was like this really shy 15-year-old girl. So It's an intimidating yeah. setup. I, I know very well my daughter, my daughter went through that same Nigel oh, really? system, so I know kind of what the Nigel system's like. And already yeah. I'm, I'm beginning to get the impression you're not a conformist. Um, oh, I'm glad you think that. I, I mean, <laughs> nobody thinks they are, though, are they? And then they realise they've got the same curtains as everyone else. <laughs> but, so you're yeah. obviously used to singing off your own sheet, which we'll get to further on. It's coming through loud and clear. But so, um, well, not confused, but I'd just like to work through your musical development because you actually yeah. went to one of the conservatoires, and I'm sure most of mm. the listeners to this show understand that the conservatoires are the, the 
premier kind of university for <laughs> music, aren't they? They yeah, guess, demand yeah. the best of the best and they can cherry pick who they have. Normally, supply and demand is way out exceeded. Everyone wants to go to these conservatoires. Now, you actually went to the Guildhall originally and studied classical that is right yeah yeah Yeah. but i'm taking it not your gig (laughs) well yeah i mean i i actually ended up getting expelled from there (laughs) i didn't know you could get expelled yeah yeah nor did i (laughs) (laughs) um but i mean yeah i think the thing is like i played classical music all my life since i was like since i was a kid Mm. and um i thought i think i just i don't like it's weird i still don't really know what happened i think i just I think I really struggled in that conservatory environment. I think it it always been something I'd done for myself. Like I didn't go to any specialist music school. Um, and then, I, yeah, I think it was probably a bit of a shock to the system sort of being told what pieces I had to play and, and stuff like that. I really didn't like that very much. It's a much. very structured course, isn't it? Yeah. And and also, I don't, I don't think I was ever cut out for a career as a classical pianist because mm. it's such a solitary kind of aesthetic thing and I yeah I don't think I would have been a very yeah I don't think I would have thrived in in that life <laughs> so there's a bit of a sea change for you at that point you went off to do classics at Cambridge um, oh English literature actually. yes yes, sorry, yeah. Yeah. yeah so that was obviously a second string to your bow was it purely because you had started on the university route <laughs> jumped out early reasons which we don't need to get into. Yeah. Uh, the English had clearly been something that you'd studied well at school and something you enjoyed. Mm. And was it, yeah. was it just you wanted to go and do a degree and English was the next thing after music that was your talent? Um, I, I wouldn't really say talent. I think I'd always, I'd always really loved words and reading and books. And I think particularly poetry, I had a, a thing about poetry like since I was a, a child, really. Mm. Um, so I'd always... It, but it'd always been like a ho- like a hobby. It was what I did in my spare time. I like reading stuff. Um, but I think after I left um, the, the girls' hall, there, yeah, I was there was a big space where I I just had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Like because mm. I because it was quite dramatic to go from like music's been everything, it's been the center of your world for as long as you can remember, and then to just cut loose and that and be like actually. I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> like, what, what the hell? Um, so, but I felt very strongly, I felt really strongly I wanted to go to uni and just learn some other things because I felt like, I, I, like music kind of, it's a very sheltered world and something like you can be really in that bubble and not really step outside that at all. So I felt like I just wanted to, to learn some other stuff and experience some other things. And also, weirdly, I did actually want to move out of London for a bit just because, again, that's the only thing I'd ever know. I think I just wanted I wanted a massive change, basically. So mm. I really liked the idea of living somewhere else for a bit as well. So that was part of it. And it turned out that was a very fortuitous point of your life because, obviously, as you said, you broke away from London and you started mm. listening to a lot of musicians that were beginning to express themselves in the way that you thought perhaps you would want to so you mm. clearly never stopped playing was no. it just a, a hiatus in deciding that the journey the path the sound that you wanted to make yeah I think I only really realized with hindsight what um what a special like a magical time that was in a way because it it kind of took away the pressure of like you have to be a musician and you have to decide how you're going to do it so it kind of went like it went back to being I guess my hobby when I was there mm. so I and like I think my first year when I was there, I was still kind of tinkering around with classical stuff a bit, but kind of losing the will a bit. And then in my second year, 
I don't know if I really played them. I think I wrote loads of terrible poetry or something. And, so, and then, and then like, I had a bit of an epiphany that, that summer and realized I had to, to sort my life out basically. Um, and started listening to a zillion jazz records and got kind of obsessed with it. And more suddenly like, okay, I'm going to do this. Now. Um, so it was like, yeah, it was my third year of uni and I basically just went crazy with it and started going out to meet as many musicians as I could there and started playing a lot. And, and yeah, I mean, it, I had my first jazz residency there on a Sunday night and managed to miss most of my Monday morning lectures for like that. Yeah. <laughs> that was, <okay. laughs> like, I found my life finally. And that was in Cambridge, yeah. you say, yeah? That was, yeah, yeah. And um, obviously one thing that we didn't mention while going through your Guildhall Conservatoire period was that you also mm. managed to become a finalist on the BBC's Young Musician of the Year. Yeah. Again, another accolade. <laughs> a distant part of my past, yeah. What was that process like? Um, Quite daunting? Because obviously yeah, when it got you exposure and you'd been on television yeah. and... It's so, it's so your friends are looking at you and yeah actually it was nice a bunch of them came actually and were very rowdy on the night which made me very happy <laughs> at the time <laughs> um yeah it's it's straight like it's strange thinking about it now because it's such a long time ago it, it I can't really I almost can't really recognize who I was then I think I think at the time I was thinking it would give me a kind of structure away from the conservatory environment mm -hmm. um gave kind of gave me some goals to work for because i think i don't know i don't even know what it's still like now but then it was kind of like you do a round and then at six weeks you do another round so it's quite like you have to sort of stay on top of stuff all the time and i think i thrived having those kind of deadlines um but yeah i mean the the main thing for me that came out of that was the experience of uh playing with the bbc symphony orchestra which is like pretty much the whole reason I entered that competition anyway, because I was like, oh, imagine playing a concerto with an orchestra like that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's <laughs> that was the main, no, I just, main I, thing. I, that came I, I just wanted to mention that because I know we, I, forgot, I forgot to mention that. It was my oh. poor interviewing technique. I, sh I should have brought it up at the time. So without wishing to flip-flop too much, we were talking about no, the funny. residency that mm. you had, a Sunday night residency. Yeah. And that was then experiencing you into playing jazz gigs with other mm. jazzers and the whole vibe that comes with that. And that was some of your yeah. first jazz gigs, were they? That, yeah, it was my very first jazz gig and it was in this tiny little pub in Cambridge where... You can I still remember we, it, I take it, can you? Yeah, well, I think we usually outnumbered the audience, which is often actually probably still the case in jazz gigs. <laughs> I and, was <laughs> going to say that, I thought I'd best not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, Although these days it's probably parity with restricted seats. Yeah, and we got, we got paid in a, a bottle of wine, which also didn't do much for my getting up Monday mornings. But, <laughs> no, but yeah. it, it's a fair reward. Mm. And how long did you manage to have that residency for? That was my my whole of my last year at uni. We did that like every Sunday. Night. And who were the guys yeah. you were playing with? I was just like local guys at uni there. I mean, all doing like like one of them was doing a PhD on oh, I can't remember something really obscure. Um, one of them was doing a PhD on like Welsh cattle farming. <laughs> like so, it was just like there were just other guys at uni. Guys that wanted like, to hang so, in. Yeah, yeah. To so it was very, very chilled, very like low key. And then, so at some point, obviously, you finished up at Cambridge, degree in hand, and headed back towards London. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> and what was your career path in mind then? You obviously, you had this residency, so you've been playing mm. some live jazz gigs. Had you decided then you'd found your enthusiasm again that had been dimmed slightly at the conservatoire? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think 
there was kind of no going back after I was like this is my life now <laughs> and um so it was quite um I didn't really have any doubts about stuff then I think I, I spent a couple of years in Cambridge though, after I graduated just playing around there and mm-hmm. like practicing a lot basically as well because I knew like basically in London the standards are a lot higher and there's a whole load of killing musicians there so I kind of wanted to just get some stuff together before I came back um and then yeah. <laughs> you managed to have another residency, which I think was quite a pivotal moment for you at Dawson mm. at the Servant Jazz. Yeah, Servant Jazz Chorus. <laughs> and that's where you really got exposed to a load of the great musicians around mm. London, that, you know, the real hot young scene that's yeah, going on yeah. at the moment.
first part of our interview with this week's guest, Sarah Taddy. More from Sarah in just a little while's time. And the track we heard at the end of that first part of the interview was another track from the album Infection in a Sentence, Bradbury Street. Next to Canadian-born Brenda Brown. She released an album early this year called Life Amongst Giants. And it's a beautiful album we're going to listen to. Put Your Head on My Shoulder. Baby 
shall be taking a look at the gigs that are coming up at the six this coming weekend in a little while's time. But first of all, I think we should go back to our guest on the show this week, Sarah Tandy. And we're going to start off the second part of this interview with another track from her album. And this is Time Lord. Listen online, on DAB and on smart speakers. Straight ahead with London's leading music venue, The 606 Club.
and some of the yeah. guys you're playing with there, I mean, you can tell us, but you were playing with some mm. wonderful musicians there, weren't you? Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, I, start, I, I started doing it originally with um, Femi Colioso, who plays on my album. There's the Collective, um, right? He's, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Back in the days where he still played swing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, and then Binka used to come down and play. Binka Golding was on sax, album. yeah. He used to come down and play. Um, yeah, well, I think so. Where Akinch turned up one night as well, actually, randomly. I didn't really know who he was, but Femi knew him. So <laughs> it was quite interesting. Um, yeah. And so that, and that was purely by chance. You happened across those guys at that residency, or did you call them in and say, like, I've got a gig? Um, I, so, so what happened? So when I, when I first moved back to London and was tr- like, I didn't know, I didn't know anybody that played jazz. So I was like, hmm, what should I do? I'll just go to Ronnie's. So I used to go hang out at Ronnie's a lot and like, at the jam and was generally too scared to play for about a year. <laughs> but I was, I was standing by the bar there and some guy grabbed me and Femi was standing by, I, I don't think we even met each other, I never talked to him before. And some guy just grabs the pair of us and was like, you and you, can you cover my gig next week? And we were both like, yeah, okay. And then we didn't have a bass player and straight away Femi leapt on it. He was like, I'll sort the bass player out. And I think probably if they'd had his way, he would have sorted the piano player out as well. But luckily, <laughs> luckily. they'd already chosen me. So, and he was stuck with me for like three years after <laughs> So yeah. that then established you on the, on the London scene. Yeah. And you were getting regular gigs by that time, I take it. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a gradual thing. But I think it is, I think that's kind of how it goes in music. Wherever you are, if you move to a new place, it's like, it's just a case of going out and breaking sticking in. at it and Absolutely. yeah, it just builds up gradually. And you played some well, you played the Love Supreme Festival, haven't you? And you played the Berlin Jazz Festival, Ronnie's yes, got a gig yeah. coming up at six that we talk about soon. <laughs> so you, finding gigs and work has is it proven not too hard for you? Did we have you been busy over the years? Um yeah, I think I yeah, it's interesting. I feel like the scene's changed a lot. I, well, not well, yeah, kind of changed. Maybe grown is another way of putting it. Um, so I feel like that in itself has created quite a lot of opportunities, which might not have otherwise been there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm quite lucky as well because I don't, I don't really feel like I'm like a natural band leader. Like I generally find it quite a stress running a band. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I love to play for other people, like and and just turn up and play, and basically they take care of <laughs> all the responsible end of it. So. I've I've man I think I've managed to find quite a good balance between doing my own stuff and then being a sideman for other people and doing a bunch of other projects. Like I've played for some I've been playing for the singer Yasmin Lacey, mm-hmm. um, which I actually find quite challenging playing for singers. I feel, feel like it's like a different skill. And then obviously I do Binker's band as well, which is like a completely different sort of gig. So yeah, I mean, but yeah, I've got a few. Nicely balanced things and, going on. I mean, we'll talk about your album in a moment, but you also played on Camilla's <laughs> album, a couple of her albums as well. That's right, yeah. on the show earlier this year. Yeah, there's a, there's a real hotbed, hotbed of great young musicians around in London at the moment mm. are changing the flavour and the taste and the scenery of jazz at the moment. It's a really exciting time. Yeah, I feel like that. Yeah. And where have you found your sound? Because <laughs> it, it, it's it's you, isn't it? It's a very very. It, there's a there's a there is a tandy sound to it. I, I guess <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think it's one of those things that like, people spend a lifetime trying to work that stuff out. But mm. I mean, I feel like like my my passion with jazz, like what drew me to it, and what I can never really get that far away from is like the the swing stuff, like the like my. I had a boyfriend a while back that was a drummer and he was a, like really into hard bop and he 
like just, I remember him like, lending me tons of CDs like <laughs> the days before streaming <laughs> yeah. um, and just like eating that stuff up like Cannibal and Art Reiki and mm. so so I feel like you're talking my that, language uh, so I feel like that's like very deep in my heart and I feel like one of the reasons why I valued the Servant Jazz Quarters residency so much was that it was it was very much a, a jazz jazz gig. Like we we were playing standards all night, basically. But I think be, because of the the players I was doing it with, they brought something slightly different to it. Like obviously, Femi had had his own thing going on. I feel like Binker brought something a bit different as well. So through me doing that and playing pretty much straight ahead jazz with those guys, I feel like I was exposed to just other ways of approaching the music, other ways of thinking about it and understanding it. So I feel like that was quite a big influence, I guess. And on your album, um, mm. was that all self-penned? Uh, yeah, it was all self-penned. So it was all original material that you wrote. And yeah. the, the writing process, is that something you enjoy a lot? Um, yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, I can't, I can't even really remember where my head was at when I, when I started writing that. I think I, I think I was kind of trying to sort of capture the, the, the vibe we had at Servants, but then just try and maybe take it somewhere else a little bit as well. Um, so it was released last year, wasn't it? Yeah, March 2019, I think. So it's about yeah. a year old, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the title of the album. I'm always oh, interested God. in titles. <laughs> Shall I explain it away for us? Um, okay. <laughs> so the album is called Infection in the Sentence. Yeah. <laughs> and explain. I oh, can't my get God. my head around it at all. I flopped so many times when I tried to explain. I think I had to write the explanation down once and I did okay. But um, okay. One of it. Go on from the top. So, let me. So basically, um, it's it's actually a line from an Emily Dickinson poem. But I first came across it. It was the title of this chapter. Well, it's going to sound so nerdy. It was the title. <laughs> <laughs> it was the title of a chapter of a book of um, feminist literary theory. But <laughs> right. But um, but I like it. Basically, I liked it because it's a wordplay on inflection. Yeah. So it's it was kind of to do with the. F- Basically, the feeling that the music inherent in the way people speak conveys meaning more than or as much as the actual words themselves. And I kind of felt that that was kind of an apt metaphor for the way I was trying to approach music. And I think particularly generally in London, what's happening now, you have people like play, playing things in a in a different way with like a different inflection like oh i'm doing really badly at this explanation <laughs> it makes sense in my head that's all that matters that's all that matters <laughs> and uh we mentioned the albums that came out uh, last year and the, the lineup on there is again a really really hot lineup yeah. that you've got you mentioned binker who's going to be with yeah. you down at the six in a couple of weeks time well I, i'm with him technically but <laughs> <laughs> okay it's his gig is it? you're down it's with his him gig, yeah <laughs> and uh Mutali we've mentioned as well uh Mutali, on yeah. the bass you had femi of course with you mm. and the trumpet was uh, Sheila 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 Murray's great yeah, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and these are all people that you've known through the scene and just mm. wanted on the album and when you're yeah. writing did you at that point write with them in mind did you kind of know the lineup that you'd like to have on the album yeah 100% I right. mean like the, definitely some of those tracks it's like I, I knew how Femi was going to approach them you know? yeah. <laughs> um, and I think Sheila as well because in a way like she was the one out of all of them that I had played with the least i mean obviously we knew each other and occasionally crossed paths but i i'd heard one of the things and 
she's got this like really beautiful trumpet tone mm. so when i was writing like the, the top lines of the charts i, I just hear her you could hear head, it like soaring on top of it so mm. yeah. and the was actually released we were talking just before we started to record the interview with jazz refresh which is a great arts mm. organization um, yeah and yeah, they, were they, they were obviously behind your album and were they mm. a great use and help to you did they try yeah. to help you along the way they, they are wonderful actually and they they do so much for i think but like particularly like musicians at that stage like sort of first album trying to find their feet and trying to put stuff out there they yeah i mean that they've they used to do these regular live shows which were a great platform and you know anybody could could try it like you could try any kind of outlandish stuff there they'd be down for it um and they do they do these kind of oh, what's it called like when they they do kind of sessions Oh, well, live sessions yeah. yeah 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 and do they help with all the marketing side of it and actually getting the album out and up on streaming and online yeah, but, so they're yeah they'd be wonderful. they've got so they've got a whole label and they like they took care of all that took care of the artwork and the um, promo yeah mm-hmm. really, so they leave really you to great. be creative and record and yeah <laughs> and does that mean there could be a second album in the offing is that something that's yeah yeah on the hopefully, yeah hopefully 100 percent. i mean got all this time now <laughs> so how, how has the summer been for you i mean we mentioned briefly at the beginning the health but aside of that yeah how have you managed to keep yourself busy because it's varied a lot with musicians yeah i mean to be honest, like the health thing was i mean that like there was a few i lost a few months basically to a blur of horrible sickness mm. um so but i think but even before we went into lockdown i'd been trying to teach myself some new skills, I think particularly on the production end of things, which I didn't know anything about before that. Um, so so before I got sick, I was definitely getting into that a lot. And um, yeah, but I think now, like to be honest, because just coming out the other side of this, this is a case of like trying to find mid or see again. <laughs> <laughs> did you manage get, to practice much or did you write much? Or? Um, I had, I, I took the longest amount of time off I've ever taken actually, which is pretty weird, but like I, I kind of had to, cause I, like I was trying to practice and then it was m- Fruitless, making me yeah. more sick. So, yeah. um, so, so it was quite strange to do that, but I was listening so much during that time and it really, I feel like it changed the way I listen to things. Cause I think if you're, if you're practicing a lot and you're listening all the time, I think there's part of your brain that's always trying to transcribe something, mm-hmm. but I think having that step back from it and not listening with a practicing mentality I think kind of helped me hear things and like see a bigger picture of things a bit so so yeah but I'm yeah just getting back on the practice now We're back on the practice. <laughs> trying and to catch up <laughs> where are you how are you finding the gig scene I mean clearly now it's a it's a precarious time but are mm. people making tentative inquiries to you now yeah I, I've been pleasantly surprised um sort of in the, the months coming up to Christmas I've actually in theory got quite a few oh, things penciled in so i mean obviously everything's up in the air like there's a few abroad things as well which i have no idea whether they're definitely going to go ahead or not because obviously like everything changes every minute but but yeah in in theory that's good to, hear. Some good to hear <laughs> yeah, yeah so we mentioned and you corrected me it's binker's gig down Binker, at the yeah, sorry, i didn't mean oh, to be no. like that no no no, no. i'm glad you did so on <laughs> saturday the 17th of this month yeah you're down at binker do you know the rest of the lineup um, I'm, I'm assuming it's his, his quartet, so I'm guessing it's Sam Jones on drums and probably Dan Casimir on bass, I'm guessing. Right, okay. Don't know. <laughs> and so at this stage, a few weeks before, have you got any idea what the charts are? Have you seen the pads or anything? Or? Um, well, with his stuff, um, so even though I wasn't actually playing on his album that he released last year, but I basically did most of the live stuff with him. So we toured 
his album quite a lot last year and that was all his originals um so i think as far as i know half the set will be his original tunes yeah. and then half will be whatever he decides <laughs> on the night probably <laughs> Yeah. It, was, it was wonderful that we could get you on just before that gig because, of course, you know, the six is back in action now, Sunday, yeah. uh, Thursdays, Thursdays through Sundays. So it's great it's that you're down on a Saturday night. And, uh, of course, uh, that gig will also be streamed as well. Will it? Yeah, be you know, stream. it's going to be my first gig in like six months. <laughs> well, what, a, what a wonderful place to be. Everyone, <laughs> yeah. I've, talked, I've been lucky enough to speak and interview uh, many artists who are just about to have their first gigs back. Really? And all of their oh. reactions are like, I just want to do it, but it is the first one in yeah, that, such a long time. There is an element of that, because it's part of me that's like, maybe I've just forgotten how to do it. <laughs> it's in your <laughs> DNA. sit down I, and be like, <laughs> I don't think there's a chance that it's in your DNA. What do you yeah. like on social media? Can people find you easily on social media? I guess so. I'm, I, I'm sure I should be better about all that stuff. But yeah, I'm... Let's run through it then. Website is... Oh God, I don't even know. I think it's SarahTandy.com. Uh, Sarah I think so. Yeah. I think I guess it is. I if it's not it. me, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and do you do? Yeah. Do you, are you good at posting social media on, on um, all of the platforms? Because it's an important part of your life, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is, and I I think whether like it or loathe it, you, you have to do that, don't you? Yeah. Um, I can tell you're reluctant about it. It's not something that you're keen on. It's, I I go through phases of it. I think. I think. I don't, I don't know why I'm funny about, about it. I think it's just, it, it, it's its own thing and it sometimes doesn't really bear much relation to reality, I think. But then having said that, it's useful if people know when your gigs are. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure that they all know yeah. when the gigs are, I promise you. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so just briefly before we wrap up, this individuality streak that's in you, you, you smiled when, <laughs> and almost with glee, oh, you've noticed that. <laughs> I'm assuming this has run strong through your core all your life. Is it? As a youngster, I'm, I'm guessing you may have been quite headstrong and decided um, you know your way. I don't, I think headstrong's probably the wrong way. I think I would, I kind of was the opposite. I was like one of those weird, silent, introverted, wearing black lipstick teenagers. I think I had, but yeah, purple hair and black lipstick for quite a long time. <laughs> That's why you end up in a rock band. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, the black lipstick's gone. I'm glad to say, and uh, yeah. you've got a marvelous, marvelous jazz gig coming up. And as you say, hopefully, many gigs before the end of the year as well. It's fingers crossed, nothing changes. Yeah, and hopefully. you can get back out there on the stage. And yeah. uh, I'll be sure, obviously, to make sure that uh, we keep up in touch and know where yeah. you're playing. But Sarah, it's been marvelous to have oh, you on the show. Thank you so much. For and me. Really <laughs> fortunate just to get on just before the gig. And as mentioned, it's uh, Binker's gig down at the Six on Saturday, the 17th of October. You'll be able to see Sarah there. So go down. Say hello. And if you can't go there in person, watch it and stream. Sarah, all the very best and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Cheers. Cheers.
um, pianist Sarah Tandy, and we finished off the interview with another one of her compositions, Nursery Rhyme. And don't forget, she is down at the 6th this coming Saturday, along with saxophonist Binker Golding. During the course of the interview, we mentioned the album London on Key, which back in 2018 celebrated 12 original compositions from some of the finest pianists around at the time. And this is uh, Sarah's contribution to that album. This is Half Blue. 606 Gift Vouchers, a unique present for those who love the good things in life.
One of Sarah's big influences is pianist Robert Glasper. And we're going to go back to 2012 now and listen to a track from his Black Radio set. And this features Ledacy on the vocals. Going to be all right.
think of jazz musician, they pigeonhole us as like just jazz musician. How much of that do you think is like musicians' fault? Like cats started playing for other musicians and trying to be this one thing, just trying to be Charlie Parker or just trying to, you know what I mean? Right. People are just so brainwashed and they don't, they don't know. I don't think people know what's good and what's not good anymore. Anything popular, even if it's whack, is like what sets the sets the pace for music nowadays. It's like, oh, this is hot. It's whack. 98% of the stuff I hear on the radio is whack. 90% of the musicians you hear playing is whack. You know, because there's no bar anymore. You know, it used to be, like, my bar was so high, and people have greater appreciation for music. It's up to the other uh, big wigs, I guess, because they're, they're the ones that do the programming. Because people don't really think anymore, not much. If you have music like that, it makes people think. Wow, they would know what to do with the system. You know, people just follow the other person, so it's not really like a lot of leaders. More like a lot of followers. The best thing you can do for people, I think, is just be honest, man. Yeah, we gotta do something, man. Time now to take a look at the gigs that are coming up for you at the 6th this weekend. Don't forget, all gigs start at 7.45 and full details can be found over on the website, 606club.co.uk. In a few hours' time, on Thursday the 8th, we've got David Gordon with us. Then on Friday the 9th, it's the birthday gig of saxophonist Dave Lewis. Saturday brings... Dave and Judith O'Higgins, both wonderful, wonderful saxophonists, and they've got an album launch with us on Saturday. And then on Sunday, it is vocalist Natalie Williams. Next to play is a track from the album from Chris Rand called The Gathering. It features Derek Nash, and this is The Stack Effect.
So back to our featured album of the week from vocalist Yasin Hansler and his band. Uh, and we're going to play the title track, actually, Rush Hour. And this is all about lost time. When morning comes to town Sunlight repaints the sky Madness begins No matter who you are Or the model of your car Time will stand still Honking cars and impatient crowds Roads painted with bright red lights Plans don't count, manners die out Gear up for the road rage Rush to work and rush back home Day after day the story's known I hope it's worth waiting Ours in a metal cage Is west, north, south High, up, low, down Looking for a way out to town sunlight repaints the sky madness begins no matter who you are 
the model of your car time will stand still Honking cars and impatient crowds Roads painted with bright red lights Plans don't count, manners died out Gear up for the road rage East, west, north, south I up, low, down
sample track from the album released earlier on this year from Quentin Collins. That was Road Warriors, and Quentin indeed is heading back out on the road. So, <laughs> Quentin, I hope those gigs go really, really well for you. Thank you for your company over the last couple of hours. Our guest on the show next week is saxophonist Tim Garland, ahead of his gig with us in a few weeks' time. We finished the show this week with the track Round Midnight. I've played it many, many times on the show, but never this version by John Beasley. Enjoy the rest of your week, and I hope to see you next week for more Straight Ahead. Mm-hmm.